seated. Praise God. Isn't that, man, those testimonies, man, I'll tell you what. You can't, you cannot deny what has happened to you. The song said, I'm going to tell everyone I know. Everybody ought to have one testimony, what God's done for you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you what, we're going to dive right in. Welcome, everybody. Welcome uh, to the letters from Jesus. We might get to the first letter to Ephesus today, maybe, but I want to um, just give you a, a, a bit of an introduction to what we're approaching. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I started teaching on letters from Jesus. It's uh, off of uh, a book by Paul Ellis, uh, a man that God has placed in my life that I learned from, and I'm a partner with, and uh, I always have been, or always have avoided revelation, and revelation scares people. There's seven letters to seven churches, and we're going to dive into them, and uh, they're nothing to be afraid of. And we'll get into this, and I, I want to encourage you to get in on as many of these as possible. If Now, I teach as though people come to church every week. The reality is it, uh, of it is that it doesn't happen. And so what I, what I want to encourage you to do is take advantage of the, the app, the uh, Facebook um, YouTube, you can get these messages for free, but go back, you're going to get the most out of it by listening to the whole thing. On the app, it's available on video and audio a few days after I teach it. And I say this because I'm, I'm going kind of slow and methodical for a reason. And Revelation is one of these books that you really, it really helps now, no matter how slow I go, just hang with me and keep listening because you're, you're going to uh, get the benefit of, of me taking my time and giving you some historical and background information because Revelation is one of these books where it's very helpful in your understanding if you know the backdrop, if you know who it was written to, the circumstances that were going on at the time, okay, and there's... Uh, a, some, some good background information that, that I need to lay, and it's going to help in your understanding. Because the trouble is with a, a, a lot of uh, pastors and ministers, they just jump in and start giving you scriptures, and, and it can freak you out if, if it's looked at from a religious standpoint. And you need to read the entire Bible, including Revelation, with sunglasses on, the S-O-N glasses, okay? And so... All the scriptures, because see, first of all, let me say this. I'm not going to do a lot of review, so because of the vast amount of material I want to cover, so that's why it's important to go back and listen to the previous messages, because if you just jump in and say, man, this don't make any sense, I'm kind of lost. Well, if you're lost, go back and listen to the previous messages, okay? But I want to hit some high points and, then, and, then, and just uh, dive right in. But Jesus is the message of the scriptures. When Jesus, on the road to Emmaus, which I talked about, um, talked to those two guys that didn't know it was Jesus, and he told them, he, he began at Moses and in all the prophets, he, uh, he explained to them, he showed them in all those scriptures the things concerning himself. And he said, the, he said, the scriptures point to me in another place, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures in them. You think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. So if Moses and the prophets, which is what the disciples and the people in that day, in Jesus' day, had. Okay, if, if, if that's what they had, Moses and the prophets, and, and if the scriptures point, if those scriptures point to Jesus, then all the scriptures point to Jesus. All the scriptures in the New Testament point to Jesus including Revelation, which I avoided. 
I'm like, okay, that's about the end times. No, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, they are love letters from Jesus. It's good news from start to finish. It's a revelation of the extreme goodness and the radical favor of God. Now, some people look, if you look at Revelation, again, with religious eyeglasses, it can confuse you, scare you, and you get tempted to just look, you know, I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and what I want you to do is to read, we're going to look at Revelation to, to see Jesus' heart for you. Okay. And um, to see what Jesus is doing right now and what he has done through his finished work on the cross. Do you realize that there are, and I, I didn't know this, but there, after Jesus ascended, there are 2,000 words of Jesus recorded after his ascension, recorded in the word, and most of them are in Revelation. But they've been, we, we've avoided these, these uh, letters, all these wonderful, beautiful love letters uh, that have scared people. We have avoided them, but they, they've been hidden in plain sight. And how many of you know that the words of Jesus are important? Because the scriptures are all about Jesus. Okay, so, okay, you ready to go? Oh, let me bring out this... Uh, Slide. We got. We got a. I got. A, I got a map for you today. So this. Um, so, turn the person next to you. Say, uh, we're in Sunday school. This is Sunday school. I'm a. See, I'm a teacher. Say, pastor is a teacher. To preach is to proclaim. <coughs> teacher, what? Explains. That's the difference between a preacher and a teacher. I'm a teacher. So if you don't know who I am, Miles Monroe made this statement famous. If um, you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. Okay? If you try to take an iron and heat your bath water with it, you're going to be in trouble. That's not the purpose of it. So what's the problem? I mean, it's warm. If I, if I put it in, it should heat it up. So it's important to know the purpose. So I don't know. I, I come to something. I don't get anything. Because sometimes pe people get what they, they expect a certain thing. They expect, well, you know, it's kind of boring. Scripture is not boring. It's just, if you're looking for Jesus, you're going to see him. Okay. Just some review. All right. Let's jump into who wrote Revelation? John. Okay. John, John was a superstar. Okay. He had walked with Jesus. I mean, he was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right. He was, he was with, uh, he was the disciple that leaned on Jesus' breath, breast. Uh, at, at, the, at supper, and he referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved, okay? He, he saw the empty tomb, but this John, that, that, that John was a long time ago, okay? It's the same John, one of the disciples of Jesus who walked with him, but he's at a different stage of his life now. He's toward the end of his life. That other John, that was a distant memory. Now he's banished, okay, in exile on the Isle of Patmos. The historian Josephus said that uh, they tried to boil him in oil and couldn't kill him. See, he's the, he's the, he's the, at this time when he wrote it, all the other disciples have died. He's the only one left. And so, Josephus said they tried to boil him in oil and couldn't kill him. So, so then he got, then, they, then, then they, they 
took him over there to Patmos and left him on a deserted island. It's like Gilligan. But he didn't have, it wasn't seven. Okay. All right. Now, you're going to see as we get into these letters why this background is, is, is so important. Okay. So he's, he's alone on Patmos. And toward the end of his life, it seemed like nothing's going on. Okay. Bad set of circumstances have happened to him. But yet, right there on that island alone, Jesus gave him such an awesome, beautiful, sweet revelation that we're still talking about it 2,000 years later. John got a vision of Jesus Christ himself. Can you imagine that? And so, and then he, he got a revelation of, from Jesus himself, and he wrote it down. Okay, and when, when he had this vision, this was at the end of the first century, probably about 95, 96 A.D. Everybody say 95, 96 A.D. 95, 96 AD. Okay, so we're in Sunday school now, y'all. All right, so here's the circumstances that's going on at the time. Okay, the, the church was in a, in a tough place. There was a lot of, there was... Uh, extreme issues going on and, and facing the church during that day. Now, uh, first of all, the Jerusalem church that you read about in Acts was all gone. It was no more. All the disciples, except him, had died. All right? And so John himself is exiled over here on this Rocky Island. And so, but yet, and, and, and see, okay, here, here's something else. The, the church was in danger of extinction because the, the Jerusalem church was gone. All right? And so that, that's what make the, makes this revelation so important. One of the reasons, because the church could have been snuffed out, but God wasn't going to let that happen. And one of the reasons why that the church didn't die was because of these letters from Jesus. These are letters from heaven. And they are love letters from start to finish. They are, they are good news. So, okay, so John wrote uh, Revelation. To whom were the, the letters written? Revelation 1-4, John, to the seven churches who, which uh, are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, that's something great to remember, who, we serve a God who is, who was, and who is to come. Thank you, Jesus. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, okay, so these are, to, to whom were the letters written? Okay, they were written to the, the seven churches who are in Asia. Now, this is not Asia as you know it. Like when you think of Asia, you think about Thailand and China and Japan. And, but this is modern-day Turkey. What they're calling Asia in that day is modern-day Turkey. Revelation, let's go to... Uh, Chapter 1, verse 11. We're just giving you some background information. Y'all still with me? Okay. Saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. The first and the last. And what you see, now, now this is a revelation, again, uh, Revelation 1, 1 is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, write what you see. What you see, everybody say, what you see, I've got to get you involved so y'all won't fall asleep on me. So, say, what you see, right. Remember, pastor's a teacher. I'm not, well, you don't get any of that. Okay, all right, I'm going to explain some stuff here. I remember I told you, hang with me now. He said, what you see, right, in a book and send it to who? The seven churches which are in Asia. Okay, and now he lists the seven churches. 
And this is who they're written to. Everybody re repeat after me. Ephesus. Ephesus. Smyrna. Smyrna. Pergamos. Thyatira. Thyatira. Sardis. Sardis. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Laodicea. Laodicea. Okay, Pergamos, we're going to see what it's called. Well, I'm going to show you a map from my Bible software, and it's, it's pronounced Pergamum. Uh, Pergamum, Pergamos, they're the same thing. Okay, so um, I didn't know how this was going to look on this screen here, and I don't think I can blow it up any. But if you can't see this, you just have to trust me. If they see, it kind of looks like an upside-down U, all right? Down in the lower left is the island of Patmos. That's where John got this revelation from Jesus, okay? And these different, the letters were to be distributed through these messengers um, that they were, they, they um, it wasn't to, they didn't have the UPS or FedEx or the USPS. So they had to be sent through these carriers. And the carriers would be hosted and sent by pastors. They were, they were received by pastors. Pastors fed them and then sent them out to the next place. And these churches followed a pattern. They went, and as, as you can see, you follow this pattern. It goes from the closest city was Ephesus. And that's where John uh, lived after he came. He, he, didn't, he didn't remain on Patmos, okay? After Patmos, he went to live and was buried, actually, in Ephesus. And that's the first city that's closest, all right? That was uh, the first city. Okay, the second one, if you look at, at Revelation 1, 11, the scriptures we just read, the order it goes from the closest to the furthest. There's Ephesus, and there's Smyrna, and Pergamum, which is up at the, at the top, okay? And then it goes to, then it comes back down to Thyatira, then Sardis, then Philadelphia, and the last one on the lower right is what? Hey, y'all are listening. Okay, so what the carrier would do was, like it was, they would go first to Ephesus and then they would take the letters. Now, Ephesus just didn't get the Ephesus letter, all right? And then Smyrna just didn't get the Smyrna letter. Philadelphia didn't get the Philadelphia letter. They all got all the letters. They all got the benefit of reading all seven letters, but then there was a specific letter written to them. And so they went, so you, can you see that pattern? All right. And again, the, the letters were, they, they, these were, these carriers were volunteers, okay? And so when they delivered the letter, they would stay, the pastors would host them. They would stay with the pastors, and we'll, we'll find out where you see the pastors in Revelation. And then they would um, receive the letter, the pastor would read it to the church, okay? They would send the, and when the carriers delivered the letter, they would send them on to the next place, all right? Okay, why? Uh, where are we at now? Okay. So, basically, these letters were not just for one particular church. They were for all, all the churches to get benefit from. And they are for us today. And that's the reason why they're in the Bible. Okay, so why were the letters written? This is very important. There was heavy persecution going on in the church. Um, the kind of persecution that we don't see here in America. Now, there, there is this kind of persecution if you pay close, close attention to the news. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make the top headlines today, but there are Christians that are being beheaded and killed in this day that we live in today. Okay, and they're facing uh, heavy persecution, life-threatening kinds of stuff. Um, so, 
this is what was going on during this, this time. Uh, there were persecution from different angles. First of all, you had the religious Jews. Who can, you have to think about it. There, most of these Jews didn't believe Jesus was raised from the dead, so they think that the, that the church is serving a dead, a dead Jesus who believers claim that is alive, and he is alive, okay? And so they considered uh, Christians as lawbreakers because they're still keeping the law, like a lot of people do today. And then they were, they were persecuted from um, the pagans who made their money through selling idols because there was a lot of idol worship. So there's non-Christians who they, they, uh, they, they're making a living off of selling idols. Okay? So they got that going on. And they didn't like it because people get saved and they stop serving the idols so it messes with their money. Okay, and then uh, lastly, you get persecution from the Romans, considered the believers as a threat to their empire, you know, the Roman government. Okay, so, so that's the backdrop. I mean, there's just a lot of persecution um, going on. And so, um, and, and these letters is a response. Let's see, Jesus understands what's going on at that time, obviously, okay? And it's not just for them, it's, it's, it's for us, as we'll see, and it'll help you with whatever you're going through today, if you're looking at it with sunglasses. Okay, so, so Jesus is giving them hope in these bad circumstances. He, so he responded to this bad news that's going on and the challenges they're facing by bringing them the good news of the gospel. Oh, no, my, my goodness. I'm getting blessed up here. So watch this. Listen to this. Wake up your neighbor. So wake, wake up, wake up. Turn to your neighbor back, back to him and say, I, I, I know you're up. You, you, I know you're paying attention. Okay. This is very important. Very important for you to hear. Each letter opens with a picture of Jesus and closes, each one opens with a picture of Jesus and closes with a promise. Two things that you need in your life, two things that get you through any problem you're in is seeing Jesus, having a picture of Jesus, seeing Jesus above the circumstances. And then having a promise from the word that you can hold on to. Those two things you can't lose. What two things? Yep. A picture, say a picture of the promise. If you don't get anything else out of all this background stuff, you got it. In the word, you get, you're given a picture. Every, every one of these letters, they, close, they open with a picture of Jesus and close with a promise. And see, when you have those two things, even when you face despair, you always have hope. When the despair is looking at you in the face, while we look not, we see we have a promise, and we, while we look not, we, we see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We behold him, and we're changed. And at the same time, we got a promise that says we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. Whatever you're going through right now is temporary. I'm preaching here. I'm turning into a preacher right now. I can I, 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 I move into it sometime. <laughs> the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? So no matter how bad things get, we see Jesus who will never leave us or forsake us. We got a promise. I'll never leave you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No matter how bad it looks, if it looks bad for you right now, watching online and circumstance looks bad, you don't know how you're going to make it. There's always hope in Jesus. See Jesus. He already knows what he's going to do about your situation. 
He will never leave you or forsake you. And the Hebrew says, and the, res the result of that is, so that we may boldly say. See, as a result of that, I love how Hebrews follows that up in Hebrews 13. He, he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then goes on to say, so that. Everybody say, so that. So that. We may boldly say, the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me. All right, we found out who wrote the letter. Who wrote Revelation? Who, to whom were the letters written? Why were they written? Let's jump into this first one. Y'all ready? Thank you, Lord. See, when you look at it through religious eyes, we, we won't get to, to this today, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll pass through it, we'll read it, but I'm going to explain it, but I'm going to give you a little sneak peek, a little trailer, all right? Don't go to sleep on this like I did on the end game. <laughs> don't be concerned, I, I don't know much about it. I said, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to go to this movie. I'm notorious for falling asleep in movies. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hit, I'm going to take, I'm going to try to take me a little nap. I'm wide, my eyes are wide awake. I can't sleep. I'm right, going to get like maybe 20 minutes. I plan to get, uh, 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 I had a little cat nap, but I want to get a longer nap. But I it didn't make it. I was working and stuff. And so then I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me a double shot of espresso. In my espresso machine, I got these little pods, and they, they, got, they, they go from intensity from 1 to 12. I had put two little pods in, one at a time, at, at 10 rank. <laughs> and, man, I'm going, I'm going to that movie. I'm wired, man. I'm, I'm wired. I couldn't go to sleep if I tried. I'm sitting there, man, and, you know, they got a half hour of trailers. I should have waited. And, and, you know, I get there, it's 10 o'clock movie, and I saw some summer folks during this little break that we had unexpectedly. So I'm sitting up there one hour in, man, I'm good. I'm just a piece of cake. I'm not falling asleep in this movie. One hour in, I'm like, <laughs> I'm out, man. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, after about an hour and a half in, I know not to fight it. I can't, I mean, movies, something about movies, it could be Transformers. I, I just get relaxed. So I, I happened to open my eyes, and I saw people, and the movie's still going on, and people are walking out the theater. <laughs> you know, can you imagine you waking up out of a deep sleep? Any people disturbing my sleep? People walk, I'm like, what's going on here? It almost looked like, it felt like a dream, man. That's a three-hour movie. Man, no, no movie need to be three hours, can't it? And so I was like, man, so they can cut out some of those dead spots. So f finally I, I heard over the speaker this fire alarm. Uh, there's a fire whatever. And everybody got clean, clear out the building, pouring down, raining outside. But fortunately, I had a hoodie. I put my hoodie on out there. And, uh, and then people start. I saw Shatan, some other folks, something I like. So then after about 15, 20 minutes, they go back in the movie. And I told one of them attendants, I said, dude, can I, can I get my, it's like at this time, it's like 1230. I said, man, can I get me a rain check? Like, I want to go home. I already missed, I already missed one hour. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to be lost. I didn't tell him I was asleep. I said, man, can I get me a pass? <laughs> and he says, yeah, sure, I'll get you one. He said, uh, but, you know, we're going to rewind the movie like 10 minutes. I said, man, can I just get a pass? He said, well, you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, I don't know. I said, so you uh, too late for you? I'm like, man, can I just get a pass? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a pass. I was just good. You go to any movie you want. So I don't know how I got off on that, but. Break up the revelation. That gives you a little, uh, <laughs> a little intermission while I'm giving you all this background material, all right? But you're going to leave out of here with a picture of the promise. 
You'll remember that no matter what you're going through. You remember that picture and promise. Okay, so, but, but here, before I got off on all that, I, I meant to tell you that when you're looking at this and when you're seeing it through with the religious eyeglasses on, okay, you see, well, you left your first love. So that's one of these things freaks people out. That's the and the preachers will preach that. From a religious standpoint, we're not seeing Jesus in the scriptures looking at it for, for something wrong with people. You know, preachers do that. Preachers, people, that's what's wrong with my people right now. You know, they left their first love. And they, and they can't wait to get you, get you sitting there. And say, that's what's wrong. That's your problem is. The reason why you're going through what you're going through is because you've left your first love. You remember when you first got saved? You remember how you loved Jesus? You don't love him like that no more. There's a lot of preaching, preaching going on like that right now. Now, if you want that kind of preaching, it's not here. Man, when you understand the grace of God, I gave up all the rules. If you're looking at the Bible for rules, that's what you're going to get. I get some inside information sometimes. I get some inf information about stuff that I'm like, there's, there's one guy, uh, one, one, one lady, I'm not going to mention her name. She mentioned somebody else who I'm not going to mention their name, but wrote a wonderful book about pure grace. And so this individual that wrote this book, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mention his name. No, I won't. But anyway, I have the book, wonderful book. I will mention it. Clark Whitten is his name. Beautiful book. And he sent out a foreword to a lot of different people and uh, some ministers to do a foreword of the book. And they would... You know, people would, oh, man, this is good. It was, it, was, it was pure grace, talking about the grace of Jesus. And so, not living under the law, but under grace. And one of the ministers, which was his friend, never got back with him. And so I, I, I said, did you get my review? He said, yeah. Or, or my uh, manuscript. He said, yeah. He said, did you read it? And this guy, he specializes in marriages. Very popular. And I'm not going to mention the name because it's not the point. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just, just kind of, this is just some backdrop information. So he said, yeah, I, I, I read it. He said, I, and I cried all night. He said, but I just don't. He had a problem. He said, I, I don't really know how to transition. Because I got all this material <laughs> about how to fix people's marriages. You know, I used to, there's a book I was trying to get, I won't even mention this name. I was, I was reading this book, and I was like, you know, with, with Carl and I, and, 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 and just, just dealing with trying to, you know, improve our marriage. And, I mean, we had a rocky, we had a rocky time. And, and. And it's, it's no disrespect to these books, but there, there was just, I couldn't get with the rules, like do this and, and, and do this and, and like, you know, and I don't want to do this to mess nobody up, but I just, it's just like this. I just couldn't, I was struggling with it because it was like, what if I can't do this stuff? And finally, somebody told me, said, look, how about this? <laughs> okay, here's like a 20, a 20 second marriage seminar. They said, how about this? They gave me a 20 second marriage seminar. It's like, how about asking the Lord, Lord Jesus, love Carla through me. That set me free. And so, Lord, forget the rules, man. Lord, love Carla through me. I'm going to let you love her 
through me. And then he's going to show me. And I'm not looking at it as something to do. I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm seeing Jesus. And letting him, his life flow through me to minister to her. Because I was struggling to keep all of these rules, man. But the struggle, here's the struggle with ministers, and, and there's a lot of why they don't preach grace, is because it shuts down a lot of things that just give people more and more and more and more and more and more stuff to do. And it's not just with marriage, but it's with like a whole lot of stuff, okay? And, and just with this whole thing about leaving your first love. Let's jump into this. The angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and we're going to break that, that, that down, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, and uh, I have no clock, but I know what time it is, so that's cool. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved, or excuse me, you have persevered and have, and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, now make sure you come back and hear the explanation of that. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolonian, I want to say Nicolonian, <laughs> but... Nicolaitans, which I also hate, refer to their deeds. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All right, now background information on Ephesus. Um, Ephesus is a, is a seaport city, and very popular. It's, it's the biggest and uh, the busiest in Asia. It was a crossroads city. People would pass through there. A lot of travelers would go through there. A lot of um, um, pilgrims would go through there. People, uh, people doing trade. A lot of activity, a lot of business trade activity would happen. It was a very happening place. It was a sea, seaport city, all right? And the pilgrims would, would visit. They would come through there a lot, and they would visit this famed temple of Artemis, some Greek goddess idol, all right? Now, Paul, he planted a church there eventually. The first time he went there, he didn't stay there long. And then the second time, he stayed for a couple of years. He taught daily in the school of uh, Tyrannus. You can read this towards the end of the book of Acts. He stayed there for two years, his second visit, and he just stayed there and just taught in the school for like two years. And he made such an impact that everybody in that region, everybody in Asia, the Bible says, had heard the gospel. He made that kind of impact, and he eventually planted a church there and left it with somebody else. The subsequent pastors could have been, um, I don't know, Tick, uh, Timothy. There was Aquila and Priscilla. They could have been the pastors. There was Tychicus. Um, but we, we don't really know exactly what the sequence and who all were the, all, who all the pastors were. Now, years later, John himself lived there. And that's, that's where he was uh, buried. He after his exile on Patmos, he returned there. Okay? Let's look at Revelation 
2.1. So there's a backdrop on Ephesus. Um, okay, it's going to get better, I'm telling you. It's just uh, how many of you um, are, are learning something? Okay. Say, Pastor. Say, Pastor. Every time I come, I always get something. Say something. That's what Miss Lee used to tell me. Every Bible says, every time I come, I always, and she put the emphasis, I always get something. Okay. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Okay, so who is the angel of the church? A lot of times, the word angel in the Bible, the Greek word translated angel means messenger. Okay, and a lot of times it's talking about an angel, an angelic being, right? Uh, but here in the context, it's not, it's not always an, an angelic being. Because, like, why would, why would Jesus write a letter to an angel? <laughs> okay. So, an, but an angel, by definition, is a messenger. So, who is the messenger? It has to be the pastor. So, the angels of the church. Y'all didn't know I was an angel, did you? <laughs> okay. So, so, the angel is, is a pastor. Okay, so who are, let's get into who these letters are for. They're not, some people make the mistake of thinking it's just for the individual pastor, but it's not. People who understand that this is the angels of pastors, they think it's just going to a pastor, but it's not. See, so each letter ends with, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So, and he's not just talking about He's not just speaking to the pastor. He's speaking to the churches and not just the individual church. But to all of the churches that are in Asia and ultimately to us, not just for the seven churches that were in Asia at that time. They are for the body of Christ today. All right. In Revelation 2.23 um, it says, and all, part of that verse, it says, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. Everybody say, all the churches. All the churches. So these letters are for all believers. Say, these letters, these letters are for all believers. It's a universal invitation. Look at this. He said in, in 320, Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. Knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, if, if who hears his voice? Anyone. So it's not just for those churches. It's a, it's, this is a universal invitation for everybody, okay? Anyone hears, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Okay, what is the meaning of the name Ephesus. You know what it means? Desirable or desired one. And we'll get into this more later, but what happened was, and we, we read it, and I'll explain it more later, but they had left their first love. And their first love was the love that Jesus had for them. It wasn't their love for Jesus it was Jesus' love for them. Jesus, listen, they are the desired who desired them, Jesus. And so their first love called for the desirables, the desired church, to return to him. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so 2-1 again. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things. says, he who holds the seven stars. Man, I'm going to get into that. Not today, though. But he holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Okay, so who 
is the one holding the seven stars? That's the next question. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Now watch this. If the Bible is an art gallery, the Revelation letters are a special wing in the art gallery containing seven portraits of Jesus. And the portraits are found in the beginning of each of the seven letters. And this is not second-hand information. They are self-portraits painted by Jesus himself. So we're not hearing Jesus through John or Peter or Matthew. We're hearing the words of Jesus directly from Jesus. Can you see the difference? Directly from Jesus to John. And John's pinning, pinning it. But these are words coming directly from Jesus. This is not an account like Mark or Luke. I can tell y'all listening. So this is not hearing about Jesus through another. This is Jesus revealing Jesus using word pictures in this art gallery. Using word pictures that are not found anywhere else in the Scripture. I hope this gets you excited about just, just, just getting into this and look at this. Okay, so who, let me go, go a little, little bit further. Who, I'm almost finished, but I want to get through uh, some of this uh, background stuff, okay? Um, well, we're actually not into the background. We're, in, we're, we're, we're into it, okay? So uh, I'm trying to stay focused, you know, and, but still let the Holy Spirit lead me because if, if I'm not careful, I get lost in the weeds here, and, and if I'm not careful, I'll do it. So, <laughs> all right. So, who, uh, who's the ones holding the seven stars? Okay, so now who are the seven stars? Revelation. See, y'all already know this stuff, don't you? What am I even teaching for? Y'all already, okay, but I can tell y'all are listening, see, because I'm giving clues, little breadcrumbs along the way. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw, going back to chapter 1, the, the mystery of the seven stars, everybody say seven stars, seven. which you saw in my right hand. Who's the seven, who's the, uh, seven stars? No, I didn't tell you yet. So y'all think, okay. The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars, Are the pastors? I'm a star, y'all. I'm gonna tell y'all, star. Now, this is not talking about a Hollywood star, okay? He's, he's not using it like that. Even though I am, that's not what that's saying. The seven stars are the angels or the pastors of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Broke it down pretty, pretty good, huh? So, uh, so pastors are called stars. See, those who teach the gospel, see, this gospel is the gospel of grace, it's the gospel of peace, the gospel of, of righteousness, the gospel of God's unmerited, undeserved favor, okay? Um, do you realize those that teach this gospel of righteousness and grace are called stars? Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness. You understand what righteousness is? I mean, you are righteous by because of what Jesus did. By one man's offense, many were made sinners. By one man's obedience, you were made righteous. You're righteous as a gift. You don't earn righteous. You're righteous by faith in what Jesus did. See, Say, I am, I am. The, righteousness of God the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. Regardless of my behavior, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Because His righteousness is not dependent upon what you do. It's dependent on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And, see, the, and, and, and so those who turn many to this, like the stars forever and ever, See, so pastors that teach this gospel of righteousness are called stars. 
false teachers, okay, listen to, Paul ran into this. He ran into it. He was warning these churches um, in Paul's day, churches at, in Ephesus, that these false teachers coming in, all right? And you know what they're called? Uh, wandering stars. Look at Jude 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That's what false teachers are called, okay? So it says, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. Everybody say, seven stars in my right hand. See, the, word, the right hand is significant, so why the right hand? The, the right hand, um, now if I'm long today, it's because I don't have any clock. And I just have to go by my eternal clock. Eternal. Internal clock. And make sure I get you out of here before noon. Eastern Standard Time. Why his right hand? The right hand in the Bible signifies his power and strength. Exodus 15, 6. Let's, let's, let's just blast through a few of them, okay? Don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but I just want you to see this in the Bible, how the right hand is used. Your, Exodus 15, 6. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord has dashed the enemies in pieces. Man, this is just going to bless me right now. This is just for me. Y'all can just get in on this. But you know what? He holds the stars. He holds the pastors in his right hand. Oh, my goodness. Here's some more about what the right hand does. The right hand saves us. Psalm 65. Save with your right hand. The right hand holds us. Psalm 63, 8. Your right hand upholds me. And uh, it shelters us. Talks about Psalm 17, 7. How we take refuge in him. So your right hand, he says, you who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you, from their foes. So the right hand shelters us. It's also a place of honor. Acts 2, talking about um, being exalted, Jesus, uh, to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now know, which you now, excuse me, see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand hand. It's a, used there as a place of honor. Okay? So, Revelation 2, 1, again. Now, 120 says, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. Then in 2, 1, the angel of the church of Ephesus right. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks. Hold on because I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an important point and I'm going to let you go. Okay, just hang on a little bit. Little, just a little while longer. Just a little bit, just a little bit longer. Okay. These things he says he says he who holds the what? Seven stars. Where? In his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Okay. So Jesus is telling the pastors that he's holding us in his, with, with his mighty right hand. Now, in contrast to, we're going to just jump over here for a minute to the church of uh, Sardis. He says, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Here's the, like he's, he's holding. Now, it mentioned he holds them, all right? But, but, it's, but it's different. He doesn't mention the right hand. He, he's holding them, but no hand is mentioned. In Ephesus, he's holding 
them with the strength in his mighty right hand. Hallelujah. And so, um, how many give you, give me one more minute? Give me, nobody will give me one more minute? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, okay. Okay, watch this. So, two, uh, one, these things he says, these, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst. Read that last part with me. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. Isn't that wonderful? See, the, what does a lampstand do? It's, it's a bearer of light. Yes, illumination. Very good. Somebody paying attention. And, and, it's, and see, the lampstands were made of gold, which means they're precious. Man, listen. You know what that means? This is encouraging. If you're a member of a church, listen, no matter how small the church is, no matter how dysfunctional the church is, in the Lord's eyes, that church, no matter how small, no matter how dysfunctional, is highly valued. It's not a matter of how, so sometimes people, they judge churches by how big, how, how you know, medium size, small, and they judge it by the, by the numbers. See, God don't look at stuff like that. Well, you know, I go to some folk church, and it got these problems. I went to that church. I tried that one. And people, you know, they, people are looking for different things, you know. And uh, I know somebody recently, you know, they had a, like a list of stuff. I met them in, back in the uh, meet and greet room. No disrespect to them if they're here or whatever. They came back, praise the Lord. But um, I didn't see the list, but they had a whole bunch of, like, she had a sheet of what she was looking for to, when she's going to visit churches. And I was thinking to myself, I know, man, it's not going to be good. Because <laughs> I don't think I can check all them boxes. Man. <laughs> you can't go looking at a church like it's Walmart or Huh? Because even, and I ain't got nothing to, against big churches. I mean, I think it's wonderful. Sometimes people want to hate on churches because they're big. Man, no, I like, I rejoice people getting saved and, and all of that. But you just can't judge it by that. Like, because people go in and complain about the big box. Well, I can't find nobody to help me. <laughs> right? And then, you know, sometimes church is too big for some people. Then they're all just too small. And they don't have, we don't have a program for this or a program for that. You know, go find you a star. That when that star speaks, like when I say star, I'm not talking about getting a Hollywood star. Go find a pastor. When he speaks, it ministers to you, and you know in your heart the Holy Spirit tells you, this is the place where I'm supposed to be. And then just stay there. And he that's planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, and you just keep getting blessed, and you just keep eating, man. And that's what sheep do. Sheep just eat. They just don't eat anything. Anytime any pastor's talking, you want to make sure you can find it in the Word. See, and, it, and, it's, it, and it, you can't argue with the experience. Man, I've been applying this. This has changed my life. This pastor's teaching has been changing my life. That's where you ought to stay and be blessed and just keep going and keep getting ministered to and keep getting blessed. Oh, you just eat. and Don't be looking at, you know, the sheep just sit there and eat. I don't know. I just ain't getting nothing. I'm just going. I'm just going to keep eating. You ain't going to mess up. Miss, you're not going to mess up my meal. I got this good meal over here. This good filet mignon. I'm sitting there eating. Not going to distract me from that. I'm just going to keep eating. I don't know what. I, I don't know what you like. You know, two people could be sitting in the same place. And one person, like, I ain't getting nothing. And one person, man, I. I don't know what you listen to. I'm getting blessed, man. Huh? So, okay, let me let me wrap this up. So, so um, where is Jesus walking? Jesus 
is walking in the midst of these seven golden, golden, say golden, golden, golden lampstand. See, before Jesus came, people pictured God walking up in the heavens. You can look at this as a reference in Job 22, 14. They looked at God as way up there and far away and distant. But God's desire, even from the garden, when he walked and talked with, with um, uh, Adam in the cool of the day, his desire has always been to be with us. He is the man from heaven who walks with us. Yeah, he's a man from heaven. I mean, he's God, but some people overlook this. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We got a man in heaven who walks with us by his spirit on the earth. He said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to send you another helper. There's one just like me. What that means is another, in the Greek it means one who will do in my absence the same thing I would do if I was personally present with you. That's who he left with us. Jesus is not sitting on a cloud or wondering above the galaxies. He's among the lampstands, nurturing us, as he's doing right now, and he's enjoying us. He's walking in our midst. He's here now, glory to God, hallelujah, to bless us and to encourage us and minister to us. Is the word encouraging to you today? It's not because of me. It's because Jesus is walking in our midst. 